You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. This is Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful, albeit snowy and chilly, metropolis known as Minneapolis, Minnesota. So glad to have you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. This is episode 247, and we're going to be diving into a topic that is relatively contentious in some uh, Christian circles. I'm going to answer the question, how old is the universe? Uh, Before I get to the content of this episode, I'd like to give you a quick apology. Um, I apologize. I'm a little bit under the weather. I'm uh, recovering from a cold. I'm on the back end of it, feeling pretty good, but 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 still a little bit nasally sounding, I think. And and uh, I apologize in advance if I if I do any sniffling into your ear. I'll try my best not to do that. Uh, I apologize in advance. Um, but I had already blocked off uh, a day of my schedule to do quite a bit of recording and some editing, and I knew that uh, this was the only block of time I had in my schedule. So if I didn't get it done immediately on this day, it could be a few more weeks before I get a chance to uh, do some do some recording and, and editing. So I figured the show must go on, sick or not. Kenny, get in there and do some do some uh, episode recording. So here I am, uh, a little bit under the weather, but uh, but I'm a man of the people, and I love my people. I love you guys out there, and felt the need to to continue to record. So anyway, uh, again, as I said, I'm going to dive into a topic. I'm going to tackle uh, how old is the universe, or what is the age of the universe, and I'm sure I'll dovetail into uh, the you know uh, the sub question of how old is the Earth. Uh, the reason I want to tackle this, even though in the minds of some people this is not a theology question, in the minds of a lot of people this is a question of science, uh, physics, uh, maybe even philosophy uh, or history, but this is not a matter of theology. But the reality is there are a lot of components or elements of theology that could be impacted based on how you view this particular question and some of the related you know, questions and subtopics that arise whenever you are tackling these sorts of topics. Um, over the last two years I've been doing that I've been, that I've been doing this podcast, I have gotten literally dozens of emails of questions relating to things like creation, evolution, age of the earth, age of the universe, origin of species, origins of humanity, historical Adam, you know, you know all those sorts of things. Questions related to genealogies and other elements of history and anthropology. Uh, I've got lots of questions on dinosaurs. Uh, in fact, one of the very first questions I got from a listener when I first launched, literally within 24 hours of launching the podcast, uh, when I when I invited people to uh, send me questions, the first one, one of the first ones was, what about dinosaurs? And since then, I've gotten several questions about that. So what I'm going to do in this episode is talk specifically about the age of the universe and I'm going to sort of lay the foundation for some of those other questions and subtopics. And in some of the future episodes, I'm going to do kind of a mini-series. I'm going, to, I'm going to have several episodes tackling some of the other related topics. But I'm going to separate the age of the universe from some of those other ones because I think that's sort of the, the first one that, that we, ought to, we ought to have conversation uh, about um, as we approach some of these topics. 
Um, I'm going to take a relatively diplomatic and ecumenical approach. And what I mean by that is I'm not going to come down hard on one view. I'm not going to push really hard on just one perspective. Instead, I'm going to give you a variety of perspectives. Uh, in fact, I'm going to give you five of the major worldviews that people embrace as they approach the question, how old is the universe or how old is the earth? There are five different major ways to approach answering this question. Uh, four of the five, I think, are viable Christian ways to approach it. One of them is a completely secular worldview, how most secular scientists would approach it. So again, I'm going to give you a bunch of preamble information, a bunch of caveats, and then I'm going to dive into five different worldviews that people typically have when they're approaching this question. As I mentioned a moment ago, the reality is that this topic becomes very contentious because many Christians begin to draw very hardcore lines, very black and white lines in a way that I think is unhelpful um, and I think is actually unbiblical. Uh, but I've heard people say things like, well, if you don't believe you know, the earth is you know 6,000 years old and you believe anything more than that, you're compromising the scripture. I'm not even sure you're really a Christian. I've heard Christians, I've even heard pastors and preachers from the pulpit use Genesis 1 as a litmus test. You know, if you don't believe in a literal six-day creation, and if you don't believe that the earth is only 6,000 years old or 7,000 years old, then you're not really a Christian and, uh, you know, you don't believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. Your fidelity and your loyalty to the, to the gospel should be questioned. I mean, all sorts of stuff. And I just... I just disagree with that approach. Um, I also think it's important to note that that wasn't always the case. Up until the mid-1800s, this, this wasn't a litmus test. This wasn't, I, I don't think from my study of church history, that this was nearly as contentious. People didn't argue about it. People didn't take such strong stance. There were varying opinions, and it was sort of okay to take varying opinions. In fact, one of the most famous early church writers, Augustine in the fourth century, made some statements that would lead us to believe that he didn't believe in a six-day creation. He believed that God did it all at one time and there were a variety of other components. Now, he also believed in a young earth, of course, um, you know, most likely we, we think. Um, there were lots of people in that of that day that believed in a young earth. In fact, most would have believed the earth was only a, a few thousand years old, but not everyone believed that. There were people in societies of, you know, in the, during the early church that wouldn't have believed that. And there were probably Christians that would have embraced that, and they would not have been ostracized because of it. Um, as we read writings from, you know, the later portions of the medieval time, the Middle Ages, into the Renaissance period, we, we read things from people um, that are Christians that don't necessarily take a hard stance on this. Again, we we have varying opinions throughout church history. When you read things uh, from some of the reformers in the 1600s, at the height of the Reformation, you have different Christians having different views on the origins of the earth and the origins of the universe. They, they didn't all have an exact uniform opinion. In fact, there are lots of Christians today that would lead you to believe or would want you to believe that all Christians believe the exact same thing. They all believed in a literal six-day creation, and then Darwin came along in the mid-1800s, and then everyone st stopped believing, and everyone's now questioning the Bible, and it all went, you know, all going to hell in a handbasket because we all believe Darwin now. That's, that's what some Christians would have you to believe. 
And the reality is that's actually just not true. There were varying opinions amongst faithful Bible-believing Christians throughout the generations of the church. But more importantly, it's important to, to note that it wasn't a major issue. It was a secondary issue. This wasn't the thing that we argued about as the litmus test as whether or not you're a good Christian. This was a secondary thing that was really barely discussed and barely talked about. But we have sort of made it this important thing. Uh, we, we have pastors and authors out there today making it out to be like, this is as important as the gospel. Like the Trinity and six-day creation are of equal importance. But that that just wasn't the case throughout the, the vast majority of church history. And so if the Christians for century after century after century were able to serve God and, and do well in a lot of regards without making this a major issue and without having dogmatic, uniform opinions— I wonder, I just wonder, maybe we don't have to have uniform dogmatic opinions either. I guess I'm just saying that I wish Christians maybe would be a little more charitable and a little more ecumenical as they approach these sorts of uh, what I would say are secondary issues or secondary conversations. Okay, now uh, it is almost a nine-minute mark of this episode, and I still have, haven't answered the question. How about that for a nice long intro? Um, okay, let's dive into actually answering the question. How old is the universe? Um, here's the answer. Honestly, I don't know. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Kenny, that is such a cop-out. I hope it doesn't feel like a cop-out. I don't want it to feel like a cop-out, but I honestly don't. No, that's the whole point of this episode. I'm going to give you various views on how people answer this question. But I think it's important for me to start by saying, I honestly do not know. People say things like, well, the Bible says, like, in the beginning, God created, you know, the heavens and the earth, and it was day one, day two. It took six days, literal creation. God did it. Boom, he spoke. That's it. And, you know, and if you line up the Bible, it's only been 6,000 years. That's what you get from some people. And I go, well, what, what, what you're doing there is you're reading the Bible and you're assuming that there's no ambiguity. You're assuming that everything is crystal clear. But when you actually read it, when you actually read through Genesis chapter 1 and you read through some of the other related passages throughout the Old and New Testament, you actually don't know. It, the Bible doesn't give us absolute clarity on the age of the universe and the age of the earth. The Bible nowhere actually gives us any understanding as to the age of the earth. Now, some people say, well, it's a literal six days, and on the sixth day, God created humans, and day seven is when the genealogy basically begins. So it's basically day seven plus the 6,400 years. Of course, it's very clear. It's so obvious. It's just, it's, it's just so clear. Kenny, can't you see it? But the reality is, while that is a plain reading of the Scripture— and that plain reading may lead you to believe a simplistic answer like that, I actually think there's more to it than just that. I, I, I think you have to realize that maybe it's not as plain as you might make it out to be. And, and I think it's important to consider the fact that maybe there's some figures of speech 
mixed in there. Again, I'm not trying to say it's all metaphoric because I don't believe that. And I'm not saying that we should just take the Bible with an idealistic lens and never believe it's historical because I don't believe that either. I do believe the Bible is mostly historical narrative and there's lots of elements of history and lots of things from from archaeology that back up the narratives of the scripture, no doubt. The Bible is a historical book in a lot of ways. There are elements of history throughout the scripture. However, when I read through Genesis 1, when I read through Genesis chapter 2, when I read through other portions of the scripture that are seemingly pointing back to the origins of, of, of the earth and creation, I, I, when, you know, when I read through some of the Psalms, when I read through the book of Job, I'm not so sure that it's so clear. I think there's some figures of speech in there. I mean, let me give you two examples where people clearly know it's a figure of speech. So the, the Bible multiple times throughout the Old Testament says that the earth is immovable, that it does not move, that it stands firm. Well, I say to people sometimes, well, do you believe that the earth, you know, spins on its axis? Do you believe that it goes around the sun? They say, well, of course I do. Well, why do you believe that? Well, science taught us that. Wait a minute, the Bible says it's immovable. Well, those are figures of speech. It means that it's, you know, that it's strong. That, you know, it doesn't mean that it literally doesn't move. Okay, wait a minute. Why, why do you believe that that's a figure of speech, but you don't give us the latitude to think that maybe there's figures of speech in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2? Like, why do you take Genesis 1, why do you insist on taking Genesis 1 uber literally, but you don't necessarily apply that same idea of uber literal interpretation and hermeneutic why don't you insist on that consistently across the scriptures right let me give you another example in in, in first timothy chapter two um the apostle paul in the later part of that chapter says and women will be saved through childbirth okay well if you take that verse the plain reading of that verse would lead you or could lead you to believe uh that it means that women are saved and go to heaven by by having children and it could lead you to believe that if women don't have babies then they can't go to heaven they automatically go to hell they automatically are not saved well is that what that verse is saying well of course not that's not at all what what that verse is saying right i want to make it very clear i do not believe that but but you but you see if you take a verse and you take an uber literal you know interpretation and you, you take the plain reading of it, the face value reading of it, and you take that verse and you divorce it from its context and you divorce it from its literary genre, you quickly can, can end up embracing a, a false theology, right? Taking the, the face value plain reading of a verse and, and, and taking a very uber literal or super literal hermeneutic or interpretation could lead you to grossly misunderstanding what the author of that passage was actually intending to say. So all I'm saying is that I think that the scriptures are a little bit fuzzy in this regard and that we want to be cautious in how dogmatic or how absolutely sure we claim to be. Now, I have no problem if someone's going to study the scriptures and come up with an opinion. If you study the scriptures and you read all the books that are out there by different scientists and you prayerfully consider this and you come to the conclusion that yes, it's a literal six-day creation and the earth is no more than 6,500 years old. If that's the conclusion you come to and that's the conviction you come to, hey, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Mazel tov to you. 
I mean that wholeheartedly. There's nothing wrong with you coming to that conclusion. But what I'm not going to do is assume that there's no other way to interpret Genesis 1 or some of the other related passages. Because I think there are some other viable ways to interpret the scripture. So again, if you want to study it and you have a conviction, heck, stick to that conviction. Teach that conviction. I have no problem with that. Just make sure that you don't forget that there are faithful Christians that disagree with you on that. And make sure you don't make them out to be unsaved just because they disagree with you on this particular issue. Okay, so whenever we're talking about young earth, and again, when I say young earth, I mean that the earth is not millions and millions of years old, right? Well, if someone believes in a young earth, they're basically saying the earth is, you know, six or 7,000 years old. Some say 8,000, some say 10,000, but, you know, basically not millions and millions. And, and along with young earth goes the idea of a, a, a literal six-day creation, the idea that God created everything in six 24-hour periods, you know, that, that a day is a, a solar day, a 24-hour period. There were six days, God created everything. Um, the immediate question that arises with young earth is what to do with the scientific evidences for an old earth or an older universe. And let me pause and give you a caveat before I actually answer that question. Here's the caveat. There is indeed quite a bit of evidence from various genres of, of science that do indeed point to a universe that is billions and billions of years old and an earth that is also in the billions of years old. There is a tremendous amount of scientific evidence from various genres uh, of, of science that do indeed point to that. And there are some Christians out there that would lead you to believe or would want you to believe that there's no evidence for that whatsoever, that it's all hogwash, that it's conspiracy, that it's corruption, that it's the Illuminati or whatever. Like there's all sorts of crazy ideas. There are some Christians going around saying things like, or scientists, they just don't want you to believe in God. So they're corrupting the science and it's all circular reasoning and it's all, you know, presupposition and they're hostile toward the gospel and they're hostile toward the Bible and they don't want anyone to believe it and they're trying to brainwash you so they just corrupt all the science and that's what they're producing with all due respect friends that is not accurate that is not an accurate narrative there is is indeed actual scientific evidence that would point to the universe seemingly being old right that the universe would would appear to be billions of years old that we've been around here a long time and if i'm really honest there are some pieces of evidence that, quite frankly, make it really, really hard to embrace the young earth position. And so I think sometimes Christians act as if all of the science is in the young earth category or backs up the young earth position. And quite frankly, it's not necessarily true. There is substantial evidence that there have indeed been animals and creatures roaming the earth for a really long time, way longer than six or seven or 8,000 years. Like that, There is some evidence for that. And if you pretend like there's not, you just look like a fool. So please don't do that. In fact, Augustine, one of the you know, famous church fathers who have already, I've already alluded to, he, he made some comments throughout his ministry m making the, or saying things to the effect that we need to be cautious 
uh, of what we say about science because science could find some evidence that makes us look stupid, right? Like, like we want to be cautious we, what we say because science may come along and prove us wrong and then we look dumb. So be very cautious about what you say about the world of science. Just make sure you actually know what you're talking about before you open your mouth. So how do young earthers deal with these evidences or these appearances of age? Well, we deal with it in that regard. I say we as if I'm in that camp. Again, I'm not fully in that camp per se, but people who are of young earth, they would say God created the universe and the earth in a mature fashion. Like God creates the universe and everything within the universe with maturity or with the appearance of age, just like God did with Adam. Let's pretend that you have a, 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 uh, you know, a, a time machine and you pop in your time machine and you go back way back to the Garden of Eden. And so God had just created Adam like 90 seconds earlier. But Adam is standing before you as a fully grown man. He's probably got a beard, probably has chest hair, right? Maybe he looks like he's like 30 years old. You could go up to Adam and you could scientifically prove that he was 30 years old. Right? You, you could test him. You could look at him and go, look, he's got fingernails that have grown. He's got a beard that's grown out. And he's got, you know, he's got chest hair, maybe even back hair. Like, he's a tall man who can lift things. He's strong. Like, you can prove it biologically that he actually was a fully mature 30-year-old adult. And yet he had only existed for 90 seconds, right? And so most young earth peeps out there would tell you that that's how God created everything that the earth looks old because God created it with the appearance of age. God created it fully functional. God created it mature. It appears, if you're from a young earth perspective, that God created the universe and the earth with the appearance of age. He created everything fully functional and mature, and it would appear as if it's been around for a really, really long time. In fact, you could probably scientifically prove it to a large extent because God created it with maturity that can be examined and observed and proven. So that's the kind of the easy answer for those things. And there are some scientific evidences that would lead us to believe that maybe the earth is not old. That, you know, it's not necessarily evidences, but I would say there are more holes. In the scientific evidence that proves the old earth, there are some holes that scientists cannot answer. Either, and there are either one of two explanations. Either the earth is actually young and God created it with maturity, as I've just talked about, or scientists just haven't figured out how to, how to close those gaps yet. And maybe in 100 years or 200 years or, or 500 years, should the Lord tarry, maybe scientists by that point will figure out where those gaps are. Maybe 500 years from now, there won't be gaps and there will be ironclad evidence that the earth is indeed, you know, millions and millions of years old. That's why I'm saying we want to be cautious that we don't go to bat and make an absolute statement on something that has some evidences on either side, has some reasonable expectations and reasonable explanations on either side of the arguments. So that's the young earth literal six-day creation, ideology, and theology. And I think the reason why a lot of evangelical Christians and a lot of fundamentalist Christians uh, quickly run to that way of thinking and they quickly embrace that theology is because they assume is that if you believe in an old earth, then you must believe in evolution. 
that, you know, if you believe the earth is millions and millions of years old, or you believe the universe is billions and billions of years old, it's because you believe in evolution and you don't believe that God created everything and you're undermining the creator and you're undermining the Bible. You're undermining the authority of scripture. Well, that's actually not true. That assumption is a grand assumption to make that I think is extremely unhelpful in this particular conversation. It is actually possible to believe in an old earth and still believe that God created it. Like the two are not mutually exclusive, which is what a lot of young earth young earthers seem to do. A lot of people who believe in a young earth take the they take the perspective of saying, well, you believe that the earth is millions of years old and you believe in evolution and you don't believe in that God created it. And so therefore you're not a real Christian. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a, that's a huge step to take. No, no, no. There are lots of people that believe in an old earth that still do believe that, that God created everything. Like the difference is they don't believe that, 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 that humans have evolved over the course of millions of millions of millions of years, old, millions, millions and millions of millions of years. That's the key difference. To be a biblical old or earther, to be someone who believes the earth is old, you still have to reject the Darwinian view and the origin of humanity, and we'll cover that in a future episode in a little more, in a little more, you know, detail. Like we don't believe that humans evolved from single-celled organisms, or that apes and humans evolved from a common ancestor. That is not a biblical concept. That is counter-Bible. We reject that. But, but the the earth being old and the evolution of humans don't necessarily go together. And that's the problem a lot of Christians do. They take those two concepts and they morph them in and go, well, you, you can't believe in old earth because we don't believe in evolution. Wait a minute, put the brakes on that. You can believe in an old earth and still believe that humans have only been around, you know, between 6,000 and 15,000 years old. You, know, long. you can still believe in an old earth and still believe that that, that God created human beings, that God created a man called Adam, uh, a historical Adam, that he was a real person. You can be an old earther and still believe those things. They're, again, they're not mutually exclusive, which I think is really important. Let me give you a couple quick thoughts or a couple different types of old earthers that are out there. Of course, if you're an old earther because you believe in a secular evolution, like you know, if you don't believe in God and you believe that the earth, you know, came from a big bang and all life evolved from a single cell organism. If you believe in that theory, well, then you're an old earth. You believe the earth is old. You know, it's millions and millions of years old, but you don't believe that God was involved. So that's a very different type of old earther. Of course, you can be an old earther, someone who believes that the earth is is uh, very old, hundreds of millions or billions and billions of years old, and still believe in the and the authenticity and the authority of Genesis chapter one. But in this case, you might say that the days of creation, the six days of creation are actually six long periods of time. The rather than the day of Genesis one being a literal 24 hour period, that it actually refers to a long period of time in which God is creating. And that the six days of creation are six eras or six long phases and, and in many cases, some people say that's actually the most consistent, the most hermeneutically coherent way to interpret Genesis 1. Another theory that is relatively popular in certain Christian circles is a theory known as the gap theory. And this is the idea that there is a significant gap of time between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. 
So Genesis chapter 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse 2 it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Dark, darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The idea in the gap theory is that God creates the heavens and the earth. God creates all the physical things, all the, you know, the material, the matter, all the gases, and all the things that are there, but it's but it is formless. And the Hebrew word in Genesis 1 for formless, most Hebrew scholars sort of refers to this idea of, of chaos. You know, that it's that it's formless being that nothing is in form, nothing is in order, that it's sort of all over the place. And so some people promote this idea called the gap theory, that God created everything, the heavens and the earth, and it was all the material, you know, the, the universe exists, the laws of the universe are all in play, all the material and the matter is all there already. And then God kind of let it sit. It didn't evolve or change. It was formless and orderless. And God let it sit. And he was doing maybe doing other stuff in heaven or whatever. And then maybe a couple billion years later, then God came along and said, okay, I'm going to take the earth and begin to form it. And he takes the 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 chaos of it or the non-orderness of it. Uh, I'm making up words here on the podcast as I go. Um, the the lack of orderliness, and it begins to sort of reorchestrate and bring order to all that which, and begins to create sub creations, or begin to begins to create specific things, and begins to separate, you know, darkness from light, and all those sorts of things, and begins to separate and begin to bring to order over the course of a literal six day period, you know, literal twenty four hour periods. These he is creating these things in a literal six-day creation, and at the end of it, he has a perfectly formed earth, and then he is creates humanity. So the gap theory allows for a universe that is billions and billions of years old. It allows for an earth that maybe has been around in some material fashion for billions and billions of years, but didn't come to be formed as the way we know it until you know, just a few thousand years ago, six, seven thousand years ago, God forms the earth and then then creates humans and then off to the races we go. And I think there is some scientific evidence that could that could corroborate that theory. Um, but as I read through Genesis chapter one and I study Genesis chapter one, I'm not convinced there's an actual gap there. I, I'm not convinced that, that there is a significant separation of gap between you know, verse one and verse two. I don't think the text tells us that. I think that is a, a very creative way for some Christians to sort of reconcile Genesis one with some of the science. And they came up with a kind of a creative theory uh, that I think it might be true. I just, I'm not really bought or sold. I, I haven't really bought into that. I'm not sold on that because as I read through Genesis chapter one, there doesn't seem to actually be a a, a anything in the hermeneutic and there's no there's no nothing in the scripture that would lead me to believe that but again there are lots of great christians that believe the gap theory um there's another theory out there uh that's now known as historical creationism it's very similar to the gap theory but it has a it has a slight nuance but there's a book called genesis unbound written by a guy named john uh sailhammer who is a relatively well-known author, theologian. He's a Hebrew scholar, Old Testament scholar, seminary professor, brilliant man, well-respected, faithful servant. Historical creationism has the idea that 
um, takes Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that the word beginning speaks to this really, really long period of time. And the reason why I think I, I, I may embrace this is because the Hebrew word for beginning and the Hebrew context of, the, or the Hebrew syntax does seem to lead us to believe that this seem that this could be accurate. That when, this is, that when Genesis chapter 1, when Moses writes, in the beginning God created the heavens and earth, that what Moses is saying is that way back in the beginning, the beginning was this just really long period of time. It's almost like he's saying way back in the day, um, God was doing a bunch of stuff for a very long period of time. So in essence, that God creates the heavens and the earth. He starts the creation process billions of years ago, and that he's been creating over a long period of time. He's been doing lots of different things that God has been proactively intervening and creating lots of different things over, you know, without, within the creation over a long period of time, God did this, this creation, this beginning period. And it was a very long period of time. It was billions of years that God was creating and doing all these things. And then there reached a point where God then began to actually bring to form the earth over a literal six-day period. So there's billions of years of creation. You know, it's not a gap theory. The gap theory was that God created it, and then he let it sit for a long period of time, and then over a six-day literal period, he brought everything into order. The historical creationist perspective proposed by John, uh, you know, John Sailhammer, and this has been embraced by many others, um, is the idea that for a very long period of time, God was creating things. He never just let it sit. He was always creating. That the idea, when it says that in the beginning, in the beginning means this really, really long period of time. He's creating, he's creating, he's doing, he's doing, he's doing, and all the material matter, matter is created. And that it is that it is not chaotic, that it is orderly, but it doesn't quite have the same form that we have today. And then at some point in the past, God then intervenes and he spends six literal days bringing everything into order, separate, you know, the, 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 separating the water from the land and raising up the trees and preparing the vegetation. And, and he's, he's creating everything, bringing it in. Sorry, he's not creating it because it's already created, but he's bringing it into order and he's bringing form and order and depth and color, so to speak, bringing order and preparing it for humanity. He does this over the course of a literal six-day period. And then, of course, on the sixth day, he creates Adam. So those are kind of the, the five overarching views of how people think uh, you know, the earth came to be and how old the earth is. You know, we've got people who say the earth is old because it completely evolved and there is no God, right? The secular evolutionary view. Obviously, as Christians, we reject that view. Uh, another view would be the young earth view. The, the earth is only 6,000 or 7,000 years old. God created everything in a literal six-day time period, and God created the universe in a way that appears to be mature. It looks like it has age, even though it actually is young. That is, uh, again, a prominent evangelical fundamentalistic view within Christian circles. Another view is the, uh, the idea that the days of creation represent long periods of time. So day one of creation may represent, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, or, or many people would say uh, could represent millions and millions of years, and that each day of creation is representative of a long period of time or a long era where lots of things were, were happening. 
The fourth view, as I mentioned, uh, I talked about a moment ago, uh, is the gap theory, uh, which I don't see as a viable interpretation of Genesis chapter one. But I think um, you know it's not my it's not my view. And then of course the fifth view, the one that I, I find myself more and more grappling with and understanding more is the historical creation view, and that is that when the Bible says that in the beginning God created, in the beginning is a very long period of time that God is creating and doing lots of things. And then at some point, the six days of creation literally begin. And that over the course of a literal six-day period, God is not creating new things, but he's actually bringing to form all that which he had already previously created during the beginning era. And that he is bringing to form all things that he is bringing you know, fullness to it, he is bringing order, and that he is preparing it, giving it the perfect conditions for human life. And then again, on the sixth day, he creates Adam. So those are the five views, uh, one of which we all Christians should clearly reject. That is the secular evolutionary view, the Darwinian view. We should clearly reject that. The other four views, I think, are all views that are relatively viable and all should be allowed to be uh, to be held by Christians. Here's the overarching point that I want to make in this episode, now that we're more than 40 minutes into this. God did it. Now, exactly how God did it, we don't fully know. I don't think it's 100% clear. I think it's very fuzzy. But God indeed created everything in this universe. He created all the laws of physics that govern this universe. God created everything within it. And God did all of it for his own glory. And it's important for all of us to know that when God made it, it was good. God created everything and he did it good. The reason why it's not always good today is because we as humans, we sinned, we corrupted it, we brought devastation and calamity to creation. And now all of creation is is under this fallen state, this this curse, because of our choice to rebel against the Creator. It's important that we all embrace the fact that God did it, God did it good, and that humans are the ones that screwed it up. As long as we all embrace that, and and that we're not saying that humans evolved from a single cell organism apart from the Creator, like we should we should reject that. Okay. As long as we're embracing those key fundamentals, God did it, it was good, and we screwed it up. As long as a Christian is embracing that, then I think regardless of which view you embrace, regardless of how old you think the earth actually is, I think you can be considered an orthodox Christian. You can be a faithful Christian, regardless of which of those views you embrace. And we as Christians ought to be very charitable and kind to one another and give latitude and freedom for disagreement in this area. Listen, as I said earlier, if you want to study it hardcore, you want to get into the details and you want to come up with a strong conviction and you want to proclaim your conviction and proclaim your opinion, have at it. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Just be charitable to your fellow believers and remember that there are other viable interpretations. Remember that your opinion could be the right one, but there could be a different opinion that it's actually the right one as well. Remember that. Be cautious, be charitable, be diplomatic. And at the end of the day, 
Remember that God did it. How he did it, we don't fully know. It's fuzzy. It's unclear. How old is the earth? I don't know. It's not as important to me. All I know is this. The universe and the earth were created by God for his glory. And that is the truth we must fight to defend. All the other truths are truths to discuss, to speculate about, but they're not truths to fight over or to divide over. At least that's my opinion. Hey, if you want to do a deep dive on this particular topic, you really want to get into the nitty gritty and do a bunch of studying, uh, I'd love to give you some resources. I'm not going to mention them here on the podcast uh, because um, just for the sake of time, but head over to the website, theologyfortherestofus.com. Look at the show notes for this episode, uh, episode 247. Click on that. Look at the show notes. And in the show notes, I'm going to have uh, a list of a bunch of books that you can read and you can go through that will be helpful to you as as you want to you know kind of wade through this and really study all the different views. Again, study it for yourself and prayerfully consider what you think is the most viable interpretation of the scriptures. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hope this has been helpful and insightful. If you are offended by anything I said or you don't like what I have to say, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me an email. Or if you have any questions or topics or points of clarity you want me to bring, anything I said that you would say, hey, Kenny, can you expound upon this? Or can you bring us more clarity on this other thing over here? You can also shoot me an email. The best address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. It's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. And if you have a question or topic that you want me to address on the podcast that's completely unrelated to creation or evolution or the age of the earth, I'd also love to hear from you. Shoot me an email to that same email address. Thanks again for listening. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.